one of the reasons why I, I started that that post was it was also because I was looking at all the other local bands and like we're playing here on Thursday. We're playing. I'm like, why do I don't understand why people are doing this? Like, right. is it actually helping you? It's like it's almost like the the market is saturated. Certainly. Like there are people playing everywhere all the time. And if you're not barking right? at the moon, there's no opportunity for them to see you. So right. like right. that's that's right. the kind of the right. mentality. I think. Right. collaborating at all times with the universe. I have like so I just want to pick your brain and have a good conversation with you. You're like one of my favorite people. Aww. And uh you know, we've been trying to do this forever. We have. That's the pre-covid. Yeah. I was thinking about that like the the shrink wrap podcast. Yep. And we well, had I had to have how do we do the photos? I, I wanted to do the photos together and then like right when we were trying to do it, covid hit. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Uh so yeah, my whole podcast is just about the art of collaboration mm. and can you hear yourself okay i can uh and and not just in like the uh artist space but in the entrepreneurial space and mm -hmm. yeah i just like just realized i didn't have my fucking headphones plugged in so i'm like sounds really quiet in here yeah <laughs> there we go yeah it's night and day um but yeah so i guess you posted something the other day or the other week on Facebook. I mean, it's probably been like two or three weeks ago now. It was probably before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And I just shared it tonight, actually, before you got over here. Because I knew I specifically wanted to talk to you about that. But before I jump into all like the, okay. the crazy wild stuff that I want to talk to you about, I just, uh, you know, want to thank you for being you and being this like ray of light that you are through town. You, you bring genuine joy to people all over thank the town you. just by showing up and Aww. just being there. And that's that's a really cool feature to have as a, as a it's a feature, not a bug, and I'm Sweet. glad that that's something that you, you possess. I always have a lot of fun whenever I'm around you, and thank I feel like the entire room does too. Oh, thanks. Which I feel like probably you – I would imagine a lot of people feel like that about you. I think – I would hope. I <laughs> here's what I have going for me, Johnny. I sing and I teach, and those two platforms inherently provide me with the opportunity to spread joy. Yeah. So I take advantage of it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You have like a, it's like, I have a responsibility. I but do. it does certainly not feel like one. Yeah, it doesn't. And I, and I have not just the responsibility, but the opportunity, you know? Yeah. And a lot, it takes somebody looking at it like that for it to be, that to be the case. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to teach. I'm blessed to make music. I feel like anybody who gets you as a teacher knows how lucky they have it. <laughs> like well, they're like, and not, I, not in any sort of like leniency yeah. way or anything like that. But I feel like, uh, you know, I just your general energy is definitely like some of my favorite teachers growing up. Yeah, and, and like thanks. in you know uh, secondary ed and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So for, I, I just know that like for somebody who's so like positively reinforcing mm -hmm. and uh, not that you don't take your lumpings too. You know, like mm -hmm. everybody goes through stuff, but. Uh, you just have this like optimistic outlook, I think, and that's infectious yeah. in a world where it feels it like you, you have no right to be that, you know? Yeah, and it, and and there's something about hope that's so important to remaining optimistic. Like you really have to have the this idea that things will continue to be good or can get better or if they aren't great, you're going to learn something from it. I mean, 
optimism and hope. When I teach essentially this whole idea of trust and how as infants and children we're taught that either the world is a safe place because people take care of us or it's not because people don't take care of us. Right. What we're learning is whether or not we can trust other people. And that's the foundation of hope. Yeah. You know, so I think what we actually have are a, a lot of people who for different reasons have never really learned to trust fully other people. Yeah. And it's rampant. Yeah. And it takes, I mean, I didn't, and I spent a lot of years in therapy and still struggle with, you know, fully, fully trusting people. Yeah. It's like, it, it's, is trust a virue? Oh, I don't know yeah. if it's listed as a, I mean, certainly yeah, not a no, vice, but like. It's, I think, yeah, I, no. Is it a virtue? I don't think it is. I think, I think from when, when I talk about it, it's, it's really a frame of mind that you, or I, I might even call it a lens that yeah. you, that you, that you view the world through. Yeah. And the interesting thing about it is it's, it does, it's not just a one way lens, right? So right. I, if I look at you and I say, I can trust Johnny, then the other thing that I'm saying is whatever Johnny says or does is I'm worthy of I'm worthy of it just because I'm me, just right. because I'm a person, not because I did something yeah. worthy, not because I am, you know, a good singer or a good teacher, but because I exist, then I'm worthy of you being kind to me and I'm worthy of you loving me and I'm worthy of. So trust is about you are safe, I trust you, right. and I don't have to be anything other than you me <laughs> yeah for sure yeah that's like the the worst i mean uh, you you see if i think it's not like a people pleasing thing necessarily oh and it's I don't, a people pleasing it, thing it, it is it is but like but we where, all have it where exactly but where it comes from from everybody for everybody is different mm -hmm. and so like man we're getting into the heavy stuff already i, I just want i can't not get into I, the heavy I, stuff i love Johnny. it well <laughs> that, that's case in point i'm sure we're gonna get back to it so that does that's not a problem but you know, I, I just think about of all of the impact players that I can think of would be on team community at, you know, in, in our area and mm -hmm. in, in the place that we call home, like it's, it feels good to know that you're a captain on there, you know? Oh, like, and, thank you. And, uh, yeah, I've, I just, we had been trying to like get together just to do this podcast yeah, how about and it? having to reschedule and reschedule. And I, I think I was like just slammed at the end of you know, football season mm -hmm. production stuff I had mm -hmm. going on. And, uh, I randomly, I bought this like a uh, hanger wardrobe kind of thing. It's like an open one. Mm -hmm. I like, like this open concept bedroom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, when I'm like going through my shirts and like making sure they're all like organized from like, you know, <laughs> ones I'm going to wear more recently ones, yes. which ones are, you know, uh, working in the garage in, uh, and I have my Got Molly shirt. And I was just like, and I instantly, as soon as I see it, I'm like transported oh back gosh. to like a room full of people just really being there and celebrating oh. you. And that's like a, that's such a. That was an amazing. And the video that you put together for that night was. Oh yeah, I did do a video. Oh my gosh. It meant so much to me. I was stunned. I was stunned. Well, I think that it's, it's funny because when Mike was doing stuff like that all the time for the first, I, mm -hmm. he would pull me in to do these like 
Mm-hmm. We did the son of a bitch thing mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Just and that great. was like a huge group effort. Yeah. And and just the ability to see us all – like these are social circles that don't necessarily run together even though we're all literally a part of the same yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean I just – I have all these like amazing and fond memories and like you can't explain a Got Molly shirt to somebody who doesn't yeah. know Molly. It's like, yeah, all right, you you partially get <laughs> the point of this shirt, but you are so far from fully understanding it. That's My shirt's funny. meta as fuck and if you can't keep up, like I can't. It's, it is. It, and it only works on that. I mean, it's just funny. It is. <laughs> well, and yeah. so then I, th- you know, I think about, okay, Molly, the <laughs> humanitarian and the teacher. And then I think about musician Molly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always wonder – like uh, I just recently, but before I, I named my podcast like probably maybe like six months or so ago, mm-hmm. just on a whim, and I told a couple of people about it, and I was kind of hush hush because I was like, I, ideas are a dime a dozen, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to see what I was willing to execute on. And I felt really strongly about the idea of this podcast because I wanted to do something that was going to be, uh, easy to do, and not easy because it, it's actually easily like the the conversation and the topics can be like functionally not easy to mm-hmm. talk about certainly yeah. and I love going down those rabbit holes but uh just that idea of collaboration yeah and what that really means and how that kind of is implemented in in the artist industry if you're a musician if you're you know uh, an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or somebody that's like a small business owner mm-hmm. like they all kind of function under the same set of parallels and yeah. so um there was a point to that <laughs> when I when I was trying to get you on I was like I'm always trying to think like a few days ahead, how am I going to attack this conversation? Mm-hmm. Cause like, I, I don't want to have anything set, but I want to have something insightful. Sure. And, and so with you, it was like, I knew I didn't stress it and I didn't worry about it. And I didn't really come up with anything until earlier, but I knew that like three weeks ago when you made that post on Facebook mm-hmm. about uh, musicians, which I'm going to read here actually. Oh, please do. Uh, who knows what it is. November <laughs> 10th. So almost okay. a month ago. Okay. Uh, serious questions from a local musician. Oh me, gosh, this one. Who yeah. sucks at promoting gigs? Me. Yep. Do local musicians really need to make an event for every gig or for the upcoming week's gigs? Are people more likely to go to a bar, or restaurant to see live music if an event has been created a week or a month in advance? Do establishments see more of a turnout when we create events? Do establishments prefer local musicians to create events for their shows? Ted and I have never been very good at this, and this is like. This is the swan song of every musician in, that I've ever met probably because we're in an age where you have to be more than just a musician. And right? that's that's hard. But if you can muster getting that pill down and accept that it's really just another way to explore this thing that you already love, mm-hmm. that's like to me been the saving grace for me because it's – it is challenging as fuck, but I love that sure journey. Is. Like you don't oh, you don't get carved into, you know, a, this – bronze statue mm-hmm. without a little bit of hammering. Yeah. Uh, but so you said, Ted and I have never been very good at this. We haven't even taken new promo photos since 2018. I'm calling 2022s if we can pull it off or 23s if we if we don't get it by the end of the year. Oh, my God. Uh, especially something for New Year's. We should do something super classy with you guys. Right. Like, rad as hell. Yeah. Uh, promo since 2018, and that was for our album. Here's a photo of us four years ago. Look how short my hair is. <laughs> because I've also heard that photos boost posts too. You're welcome to joke about any of this, but I'm actually seriously curious. So I shared it to my page just now, and I have a bunch of industry people that I've known for a long time, and uh, you know, some of them yeah. are heavy hitters, and some say? of them are just movers and shakers. We're gonna find out. I, haven't, I don't oh. think I've gotten a single response yet because I haven't okay. taken the time to look. But eventually, this that'll be the addendum. Okay, Good. the addendum podcast Good. after yeah. this. I'll follow that then too. But so as I was <laughs> uh, reading that and just kind of thinking about your 
your question, I think like, because you're so involved in the music scene, I, I look at you as this like genuine talent. Like we had Saquon Barkley uh, for a couple years mm-hmm. and we consider him like a generational player. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that about you. Like you have this very like prestigious, um, I would say skill set. I think mm-hmm. like not by accident, you, you've you been yeah. doing it for a long time. Yeah. Like by happen, it's not happenstance yeah. that you end up being yep. amazing at what you do. But you've got like, to me, you channel like great energy, like Janis Joplin energy without like dying at 27. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about, the importance of that in music moving forward, because mm-hmm. I think if you listen to a lot of pop music, that's getting like infected with like blues and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just really kind of embracing a more raw mm-hmm. kind of tonality, mm-hmm. but still realizing that on the production side of like composing those songs for, for yeah. streaming platforms and for, you know, mm-hmm. vinyl and whatever, like there's still a lot of like careful and meticulous skill and craft that goes yeah. into it. And I think the same with Ted, for example, like he, mm-hmm. like, I don't know that any really great guitar player wants to be called a virtuoso, but Ted fucking, if he's not a virtuoso, that man shreds and it feels like you feel it. Yeah. And that's, you can't, I I mean, I feel like you can teach that. You can teach somebody how to get in touch with the part of themselves that. You can teach the technical side of it, but. You can't put the fucking body and soul into it for sure. And so, uh, you know, when I look at songs that are starting to develop, or that, that start to come out in the last, like maybe even five years, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like good musicianship that I feel like has started to come out into the pop world mm-hmm. and, and actually kind of get celebrated. And it's, I feel like you guys are every bit as talented as anybody that would do nice. those things. And that's, I, I don't mean it to be blowing smoke. I feel like I'm just doing a long winded smoke blowing session. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that plight of the musician to not be able to get, you know, what's, what is, going to really fundamentally affect my turnouts. Well, I think it comes down to like what your ambitions and your expectations are like, and what you are shooting for and striving for. Right. I love, I I secretly love this time of year for Spotify rap because I feel like nobody wants to not post what theirs is, but everybody, everybody, everybody suffers the same shame of like, is this good enough? Like, I I think a lot of musicians suffer from imposter syndrome Uh and, and if not a lot of musicians as like a blanket statement, uh, just artists in general. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, I guess I feel like I look at somebody like Ted and I'm like, man, if I could just sit him in a studio and have my way with him to do a bunch of like creative stuff right. that I think right. that I could pitch in certain directions, like that's that's a there's yeah. a, this real economy of crazy good opportunity. That, like he does a lot of stuff for like sync licensing, I think. Mm-hmm. And but I'm like, but why don't why don't you too? Like your voice is incredible. So like Aww, there have thanks. to be, and, and, and it's hard when you don't. I don't have time. That's the, yeah, that's for sure. The, yeah, definitely. That's the simple answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real answer is that there, yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't help that even if you're doing decent streaming numbers on Spotify or YouTube or whatever, like if you're lucky enough to get that <laughs> crumb of the pie, mm-hmm. it still pays like, you know, fractions of pennies to yeah. the dollar. So it's like, you can't really, it's not sustainable. I know that they're passing some legislation now to start increasing the royalty rates that Good. places have to pay out, but they're, they're going to find a way to get that money back as yeah. soon as they lose it. And it's not going to come out of, it's either going to come out of the artists or the fans. And neither one of those people deserve to be the people that have right. it taken away from no. them. You know, it's like, Oh, now I got to pay $25 a month to be able to listen to anything. It's like, mm. I don't know. We're, we're, which to be fair, that is a society. We should probably take the, the onus is on us to be like, Hey, that's actually not bad to have a world of music available at my Maybe fingertips. Maybe I should pay a little more than $14.99 a month, right? <laughs> and 
and like the numbers are pretty clear. They don't really generate a lot of like profit. They're no. like in the, however, they've also got people that have ridiculous salaries, mm. not that they don't yeah. deserve, uh, you know, a pretty premium salary for being in a position of creating a platform for, you know, musicians and fans alike like that. I just feel like, damn, can we, can we find a middle ground? Is yeah. there like, you know, are you in this for love of the and, game? And we or? can't. And you know why? As soon as everything went digital. Yeah. I mean, do you remember, I don't know how old you are, but do you, remember, do you remember Napster? Yeah, for sure. So I think when, when I first Lime discovered- LimeWire, Kazaa, yeah, Morpheus. I remember right. all those like So when I first discovered Napster, it was because for a minute, Penn State had a yeah an agreement with Napster so that yeah. if you had a Penn State email- you got a free Napster account. You got account. a free Napster account. Yeah. Okay, wait for this. This is hysterical. <laughs> I didn't know about this. And Ted Ted calls me one day and he goes, can I use your email, your Penn State email? And I, uh, and I said, for what? And he said, you can get a free Napster account. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He goes, I know you don't. That's you're why I'm asking you. speaking in hieroglyphics right now. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you if I can use yours. And I said, sure. What is it? What? And he said, he told me what it was. I was like, well, that's really cool. Then I discovered that he, Ted had discovered a program where once you, you could rip it once you, yeah, right? We got so much music. Oh, for sure. I, and then, and then I remember Enough having to put me away for life. Yes. Like, for you, like, like I should alone. be imprisoned right. yeah. for how much music I guess you would say I stole. But I feel like we hadn't reached the part of the balance of that, what would be equilibrium of now when music is like the, the purchase point is so you should want that to be like as cheap as possible. The goal should be getting them to come and see you play. Right. And so like, if that's your thing, I, I know plenty of people that are great musicians and love just working in the box and yep. writing and recording yep. and releasing basically. And, and, and don't without, want to tour. Yeah. And don't want to tour. Like, and, and like, in fact, hate touring. Yeah. And that's a real, like that. I feel like I came from this position where because I kind of escaped the area and did some national like circuit touring mm -hmm. and was doing like warp tour and coming back and like in bursts of like here for three months, gone for two, like that kind of a thing. I got this reputation that because I wasn't playing in the area, my band wasn't a real band. Like we were uh. just like, and, and I could give a shit less about that because that's, right, right. everybody's got an opinion. But I was like, but I don't, I never looked at it like that. I never looked at anybody else's journey and been like, all oh, they're they're not a real band because they're just doing this. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say to you know right. anybody that strictly only plays here in town in bars that they're they're just a bar band like whatever right. like right. what a fucking slap in the face, and especially because of the time you put into creating or just like you know organizing it. And it's all there's a place for all of it. Right for sure. There's no fucking shortage of space for where we could put music that people right. will listen to it. And if you're listening to music, you're probably having fun. And if you're creating the music. I mean, I don't know. I've never had a problem if you're smart doing original and doing covers and figuring out where I can do both of those things. Right. Yeah. And I don't feel less of a musician on stage at the first covering other people's music than I do sitting at the alehouse playing my own stuff. Well, to me, I I mean, I've been in some real I've been fortunate enough to be in some rooms with some pretty financially well-off people mm -hmm. and you go to an event with them and you're dressed as nice as you've probably ever been dressed. Mm -hmm. And then you're in a venue and there's somebody playing music and it's like, like I love small event, mm -hmm. uh, like small duo acoustics or solo acoustic yeah. gigs. If they're done right. If that person, you can tell when it's a fucking art and when it's a, right. a real craft to them. Yep. 
And, and that's like an experience. It's like, but I, I wouldn't want anything else here except for this. So who, and usually those gigs are pretty well paying as well. Yeah. But obviously they're fucking not a dime a dozen. Those are not right. easy to find all the time. Right. We should be better about that. Yeah. How about it? I just, yeah, I don't know. I, whenever I, I saw the question, I'm like, I feel like I've had a bunch of industry side perspective answers to your question. Like, should we do it? And also, I think that there's, there's some hard data in there to say, yeah, like a photo with your post is better than just text. Cause people are like, yeah, I can read, but what is it's boring? I need, yeah, I need that. I need this single image stimulus. Right. And then the statistics for like video advertising or, or marketing, the, that's the skewed thing. Like you can't give it that term and have an artist understand what you mean by it. The reality you're supposed to be giving people is like, Hey, uh, with a photo or a video, apparently we've agreed via TikTok that it doesn't matter the fucking quality or the bar that you set for yourself. Right. As long as it, it, as long as it doesn't like, it's not clipping and you're not like, wah, 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 wah. Right, right, right. but if you can just show up authentically and be the person that you present yourself as, as a musician right. and want to be, that's you're gonna you're gonna find out who your real audience yeah. is, like and the I, people that are gonna show up for you. I think the confusing thing is you make an event, you make a post, and ten people show up. You don't make a post, and a hundred people show up. Or the next week, it could be the reverse. Right, and you do right, make right. an event, and a hundred people show, and like. Oh, there's so many other variables too. Exactly. Like we played uh, this show in October. It was the first time we've played since uh, our guitar player Aaron passed away, mm -hmm. and so that was a, a not rough. It wasn't rough in a negative way. It was a uh, a lot to reconcile with. And I saw you, yeah. you just recently lost a friend a couple yeah. days ago. I want to say I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, you can't just like click the, the care emoji yeah, on yeah. the thing. It's nice to see the number. Somehow we still get that dopamine right. rush. It's like, it's good that people know that there's a loss here and that yeah. you were, you know, we're showing up for people. But uh, yeah, shit, where was I going with that? Your concert at. Oh yeah. So we, we, I took out, I went grassroots. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to, we're doing a social experiment here of sorts. Mm -hmm. I, I should have like reached out to the Journal of Applied Social Psychology or something <laughs> like that. I was like, all right, I'm going to go and just old school style flyer this town. Right. And I set up a QR code uh, on the on the flyer. So you could just go straight to the ticket link that they gave us to, mm -hmm. to buy our tickets. Were you at Cell Block? Where were you? Yeah. What, what, yeah. Old Crowbar. Okay. What is it now? What's Stage it? West. Stage yeah, West. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's so terrible. I should know. Yeah. But uh, and they, they, they took care of us. Uh, but we also showed up as a, as a band in a, in the capacity that they want. Mm -hmm. They are kind of like, they caught some flack for a post that they did over in June or something like that. They had a talking heads tribute band mm -hmm. that was going to be, uh, playing and last second, like there just weren't enough ticket sales. So they were, they canceled it and they made this kind of like catty Facebook post. Like, you know, everybody always says they want, you know, rock here and they oh, want to see right, more rock. Right. But you know, whenever we book it, nobody buys tickets or shows up and, they didn't want to be open to the criticism that followed that. And so in this world of, uh, yeah. And so they, and, and in fact, they, not that they didn't want to be open to it. They just didn't want to hear it. Oh, and yeah. that's there, right? That's fine. Operate your business however you want to. I don't give a shit. I've dealt with all kinds of venues all across the country of all shapes and sizes. Like yeah. everyone is their own bag of tricks. Yeah. Like you just got to figure that out for yeah. yourself. Yeah. If you're in a local area and you've got a venue that is, kooky as fuck like mm -hmm. and i know some of my favorite ones like the boardwalk in california i love that place and and it's an actual shithole but <laughs> i just love the vibe it feels like That's this is cool. a very it's got pedigree too so you're like mm -hmm. this is cool or the whiskey a go-go or mm -hmm. like any of the classics yep uh 
what was the one in Philly? Trocadero. Oh, like the Troc. Such yeah. a shit hole. But I love playing there. The main mm-hmm. stage and the shitty upstairs. Yeah, yeah, smaller yeah. stage. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so they were they were kind of like lashing back being like, you know, you want shows, but then you don't show up for them. Mm-hmm. And so the criticism was like, well, you only marketed it on Facebook. Like, I didn't know about it. And if I, if I would have, okay, that's one angle. And then the other angle is, uh, well, it's not Talking Heads. It's a Talking Heads tribute band. So like- <laughs> What did you think that was going to draw in 2022? Mm-hmm. And and regardless of what that says about the state of music and us not appreciating mm-hmm. the talking heads, mm-hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a fair point to make. And so they want – they get this drown, – they get Drowning Pool to come in. There's a small package coming in with them. The direct support for band for them was called Through Fire. Mm-hmm. They're like – they're the real like modern pool – Drowning Pool's got Legacy Pool, mm-hmm. and then they've got two opening bands, and then the local group, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is us. Right. And so I have a love-hate relationship with being the local band on a national tour all the time because you basically get treated like shit. However, State College kind of escapes that. And so in you know good faith, we should promote that more. Yeah. Like there's not, a, there's not enough kids in garages and basements sucking at their instruments right now to turn around anything in the next couple of years musically here and it's because they don't have a place for it right and so my due diligence for us was to to take the show well what do you want for ticket pre-sales oh we want at least 50 and we'll give you a bucket ticket so i gotta hustle and sell 50 tickets for 50 Mm dollars that's fine that's i think if you can't sell a certain amount at your own area you should be kind of lax you should have to deal with the repercussions yeah sometimes not always but sometimes pay to play shows are kind of a yeah a dime a dozen also yeah. and they're not all equal but yeah. uh so i was like yeah that's fine but i'm not doing hard ticket sales also like i just want digital sales i want a link where i can push people yeah and so i'm flyering physically for digital for digital mm-hmm. posting and then also like promoting on you know facebook and instagram mm-hmm. that way so i we probably put like we'll say like 100 into advertising between mm-hmm. materials supplies couple ads in the area, mm-hmm. people that were fans of us and them and just yep. making sure that people saw it. That's the thing that fucking kills. If I make a post or an event, do people show up to my show? Because if you just post it, unless there's something engaging about it that naturally it gets people engaged with it, it posits a question or it's a like that, that one that you posted, you posted a photo of you and that is like a, it was like a pretty heavily liked conversation piece yep. post. And so as far as Facebook's concerned, that's engagement that they want. Like yep. we're super stoked on it. Yep. The goal is how do I mix this into my artistry as, you know, this group or ensemble for Ted and the Hi-Fis? It's like, well, now that's actually this world where there's a clever opening for where you can put something that is very uniquely you guys mm-hmm. but still resonates and for whatever reason you can give it. Like if you can just get them talking – that helps. Right. And then in lieu of doing that, you just do targeted marketing ads and right. blind, just carpet bomb everybody that you can to get them to show up. Yeah. And maybe you get, you, you know, I guess if tickets are $20 and we spent a hundred on ads, all we had to do was sell five tickets that way to make it worth our while. Right. I, I checked our ticket links, our ticket links. That's how we sold all of our tickets. We sold well over 50. It was a good show. And the venue was happy that we did it mm-hmm. because we didn't show up like being like, oh, like I don't want to sell tickets or this, that, and the right. other thing. And we dealt with like a shit show day of production, like organization mm-hmm. kind of men- mess. Right. Uh, but with, I feel like Ted and Molly probably don't run into that kind of like, Not that so sounds much. like what I just described. It sounds like absolute fucking chaos. Right. So like, okay. And now you set up 
and you want to enjoy playing. Go ahead, be yeah, in the mood now. Fun. Like, yeah, just <laughs> right. chug away. Right. Well, I'll tell you what was interesting for me was the feedback that I got on that post. Right. Which really was unexpected, and I love that as a as a scientist. Right. <laughs> who part of really good research is getting results you didn't expect, yeah. right? So I expected people to say, well, like we know where you guys play, so yeah. we don't really need you to post. Yeah, you've saturated the market. I'll come see you when I want to come see right. you. And right. I get that. But a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, if, you know. If I only knew. It, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes I'm wondering if you're still playing there and if I don't, you know, right. if I don't live in town anymore or if I – Yeah, if we don't have an app that points us all in the same direction right. where we look and so, find this stuff, it's there's no MySpace anymore. That right. was like big for whenever, yeah. whenever I first got into the music industry intensely. Uh, sidebar, how long have you known Ted? Um, Met Ted in 99. So you guys have been – how long have you been playing for about as long? About Started a year playing. later? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's – I mean – that's how you get legacy status in this town, right? Like, so I guess I just look at it like you know what Renee always says. What? Because Renee and Ted have known each other even longer, longer, like ten years longer, right? And Daryl too. Oh, okay. Because um, I moved to town in '97, they were already all three from of them Auburn, were from Philly, from Philly. I went from Auburn to Philly. How long were you in Philly? Uh, six years. I went to grad school at f the first time at Westchester. The first time. Humble brag, humble brag. Um, well, I, <laughs> I'm kind of a big because <laughs> no, but because I went back to grad school here as a as like an adult, pregnant with my first child. That's the underdog story, right oh there. You're like, Lord. nothing's gonna stop me. Yeah, right. Anyway, <laughs> and um, your kids are characters. Like they're, oh, they're it's it's funny. hilarious. If you know, if you didn't know you and Renee, and you met your kids. And then you met you and Renee, you'd be like, oh, oh 100%, okay. absolutely. Exactly. This, this is how this happened. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Like that's uh, – and I'm sure you guys have your trials and tribulations as a family, but what you guys share and you're just genuine at – like I've seen you and Renee working together and yeah. in high-stress environments and just – Chill, we're gonna have fun, yep. like whatever. We get to do this. Yeah, in fact, for sure. that's what Renee will go and we get paid to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's so true. But like you guys, uh that that energy is very much so like you you know that to be a fly in the wall of your family's household oh, it, it's, should be its own sitcom. Yeah, like it probably sure. should. It's it's ridiculous. But yeah, the the when I think about how long Ted and I have been together, you know, it's We've been together longer than we've been with our spouses. <laughs> like, You're like, and we didn't sign a prenup. No. <laughs> so. And there we've tried to break up a couple of times. No way. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, but you can't. We can't. You can't break up good chemistry. It's like. You can't break up. Turns out you're connected atomically. We I don't actually, know how to tell you. Yeah, it's weird. It is. But I remember one time we were at a gig and somebody was. Uh, making conversation at the set break and they said um they were they were wondering what our musical influences were right so right, right. and the way they asked the question was um who have you seen live more than anyone else and without missing a beat ted went molly <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like oh it's the do truth. you want the easy answer or the other easy answer cuz it's the same it's answer it's the same answer that's so funny molly yeah i was like sorry buddy <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing about the, 
you know, when if we're talking about collaboration. Right. This is an excellent segue to what I wanted to share about. Ted this is solo. Ted can do solo stuff. I can do solo stuff. We can, we are so much better together. And you can kind of touch and go. I feel like you guys could pick up where you left off pretty much. You've had enough years to really have those gears, you know, grease and ready to, yeah, ready to and, roll. And, and that's a language at that oh, point. It's that you guys just both when, speak. when I think about, um, so many bands in town that are duos or trios or whatever. Like there's something about music yeah. that collaboration is essential. Like there are great For it albums. To do well, I think. Yeah, but to I mean, be received and, well. And there are great albums that this one person did everything. Right. Right. But even when they go out on tour. They're going to have hired a band. Right. And, and there's just something about every, like all these people's energies focused on this one thing, then it becomes bigger and then it goes out into the crowd and it becomes even bigger and it comes back to us. And that's, right. that's this thing that is impossible to fake. So I will say that is the thing that I, that's like the je ne sais quoi that mm -hmm. like you, I observe whenever I see you guys play, there's a real like atmosphere. Yeah. I feel, and, and you can have your on nights and your off nights. Sometimes it's crowd oriented, but man, when it's on, it's really unmistakable. Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's palpable. You're like, okay, I can, this is like a, oh, feeds, you can see, yeah. yeah. You get fed by it. Yeah. It does. It doesn't feel like work. So I, uh, I am one of the producers that I've been like, a big fan of just growing up. Whenever I first started learning what a producer's role was with a, a you know a band, uh, Rick Rubin, I always really liked. Uh, I mean, he worked with like the Chili Peppers and mm -hmm. System of a Down mm -hmm. and Blink One Eighty Two and mm -hmm. just all these people. Uh, and his approach to songwriting and how he approached it was very more. It was, it was more philosophical. I felt mm -hmm. like than as like a from a production standpoint. And it, it always felt like he honed in on what the best aspects of a group were mm -hmm. to help them not just stand out because they need to stand out in a sea of other oh, music and they yeah. weren't even dealing with the 16,000 oh, yeah. songs a day Yoy. being uploaded. Yeah, yada. Right. But, uh, you know, he, he described it in a way that I hadn't heard it before, but I was kind of subconsciously already applying with relic hearts. Like we would do, we, our approach is whatever serves the song best. If we're writing, like we can't be purists. These all can't be our babies. Maybe you write something that's really special and then maybe you don't want it to be messed with too much and you have these, you know, conversations but along the way. But that should be the exception. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exception, not the rule, certainly. Yep. And so, you know, collaboration is not like a bunch of people working on a song. That, that can be a bunch of things and that does not always work out. Collaboration right. is everybody working towards a song where they're not trying to get their thing shoved through. Right. They're willing to let what serves it best yep. be there. And, yep. and to me, like, if you can see it that way, not to put like this moniker of product on music, but if you had to give it like a feature like that or a, a round, you know, noun, the thing that's done is always going to be better. If you guys have really gotten out of each other's way and out of your own ways yep. to like see what really, what, yeah. what chemistry you're really brewing yeah. together. Well, no, you've probably been to practices, rehearsals where it, even if you're not, even if you're done writing a song, but now you're figuring out how you're going to perform it live. Yeah. Let's, or you're covering an, a song, but you're putting your own twist on it. Let's see how we're going to, right? Yeah. The best rehearsals are, let's try a, 
what what's your thought? What's your thought? What, let's try it all. Let's right. see which one works the best. Everybody willing yeah. to try. And the end result typically is some combination of all of it. Yeah. That, you know. In and, the best cases. Absolutely. Like, and so he, I use, I have heard a quote from him uh, for the intro audio for my podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, his little audio tag is what ends the, the, the sting or whatever. And it, he said something that really, really stuck with me because one, I'd already named my podcast. I'd already like locked down the socials and mm -hmm. started getting mm -hmm. logos developed and everything. He said, we're always collaborating at all times with the universe. And amen. so when you're like, who, yeah, amen. amen. When you're thinking about, you know, who, when people ask you who your influences are, I feel like most musicians have a really hard time answering that because totally. it's like, where do I begin? Like, right. I don't know, I guess the first time I heard a note that made me tweak, yeah, like, I, right. I don't know. And I've always, I have actually been curious about your influences. I feel like I could probably peg a few of them. Probably. But I, I mean. But I bet you'd be surprised at a few of them too. Yeah, and I'd love to be surprised. So let me hear it. Let me hear it. So since I was little, right, you always listen to you, who your parents listen to yeah. first because that's who's. That's my love of classic rock, Dad. Right, there you go. Thanks, Dad. So my dad um, was a musician himself. You know that he started the first family with yep. Ernie. We, so he did a lot of singing. Yeah, we skipped that all together. We got to talk about oh, that. Oh, <laughs> Lord. So, so I grew up listening to him practice with the first family or his second band that I knew of, Fun, spelled with a P-H, <laughs> Fun, that also played at the first. And they did, you know, the first family did sing-along stuff yeah. from, from the 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah, back right? when this was a small town. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Fun did did classic rock, but classic, but more like, um, you know, Joy to the World and CCR and and not so much like not Led Zeppelin and not <laughs> yeah and not the Rolling Stones, but the Beatles and yeah. the the pop -er side of rock. I think you back, know what I, from back then. from back then, um, but he also liked. Dolly Parton. Yeah. Wow. And he liked wow. Anne Murray and he liked uh John Denver and he liked Neil Diamond and Which know, is a pretty big Barry like... fucking Manilow. <laughs> and yeah, you have a big pool to pull from when you're just figuring out what yeah, I mean, in your early influential stages. Well, so. and so I'm like a kid listening to these albums, and then the first uh the first album I bought was, the, <laughs> you would never in a million years guess. When did you buy it? 82, probably. Was it Michael Jackson? Mm-mm. All right. This <laughs> is the Sugar Hill Gang. The Sugar Hill Gang? Yes. Uh, so I was listening to that and I was listening to Queen and I was listening to um, New Edition and New Kids on the Block and the Little River Band and Yeah, you like, got a, it's an eclectic mix. You know what I listen to? I listen to like I like mel good melodies and good voices. Yeah. And if there's harmony on top of that, even better. You're and catch if there me quicker. and if there wasn't <laughs> 
then I would sing the harmony. Right. And that, enjoy that. That wouldn't even exist because, but yeah, and enjoy myself singing the harmony that wasn't actually there. And then I discovered the Indigo Girls. I don't think I've ever heard of them. I don't think I've ever heard them. Oh my god! Uh, okay, now so we talked about this face blindness earlier, where you know somebody by face, but you don't mm. remember their name. I know I can't even tell you the catalog of songs that I know, but I don't know the names of them or the artists. So Indigo Girls is closer to fine that everybody. It's but you'll have to listen. They're a folk band from Athens, Georgia that I used to listen to, in when I was in college. Then I discovered Southern Rock and I was into Widespread Panic and the Allman Brothers. And then I remember this kid in college introduced me to Led Zeppelin, who I honestly always thought because of their name was probably heavy metal. Right. Right. And I was like, this is who? This is what? And then I was like all about Led Zeppelin for, so yeah. You're like, till today. Yeah, you know, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then, I mean- I don't know how old you were, but like in the early '90s when Lollapalooza, yeah, right, and the Horde tour, and I, I mean, mm-hmm. so I, you know, oh yes, right, yes, and <laughs> Rush, and I mean, I got to hear these amazing transitions. Oh my gosh! Like and everything, and all of those greats are good for their own reasons. Like right. they, they, they're totally different atmospheres and vibes yep. and genres. Obviously, yep. like we started, we've seen. There are so many genres now. There like are. I, I have no idea what to classify anything as no, anymore. And that's cool. And that's awesome, right? Oh, and Fleetwood Mac. Oh my God, that I didn't even right. mention Fleetwood Mac. How dare you? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's just kind of we're lucky that it's kind of become that. It just makes it difficult if you're on the musician side of thing. I think sometimes to break through. Yeah. But that hits equilibrium too. I think like eventually we get to a place where we're the the platform exists to, to discover mm-hmm. and like. As soon as that first platform comes along that's there to help people discover that like as authentically as possible and gets out of their own way of like the the profit margin kind of side of things, I mean, that's our next renaissance. Like I don't think we've we've seen like a – I don't want to say that I could could assume this, but it doesn't feel like we've had a major – it feels dismissive to say that we haven't had like a major cultural shift in music in a while. Yeah. But it does – I do I do feel like we've kind of hit uh the we're regurgitating a lot of stuff and we're people's voices are starting to sound the same. Yeah, and that do can you know be, what I that mean? can be processing, that, that could is, be a bunch yeah. of stuff from like the the recording side yeah, of but things. But even the way people are singing and Yeah. Know, you, you ever hear somebody say singing in cursive? Is that what it's called? Where they like just these exactly weird and you, you knew exactly, exactly. Knew it's exactly. singing in cursive. I don't get it. That's the, that's not what the vowel was. That, yeah. Why'd you use that vowel? And that A has an R in it now? I don't <laughs> understand. Like Right. And I think that's because we maybe decided we thought we like that. It's it's character for character's sake, not care maybe character for like specific decisive right. you know, decision making right. sake. I remember the first time I heard people singing this is probably like the early 2000s. The thing that girls were doing was singing. I could only describe it as like, now I could say singing in cursive, but it was almost like they were singing like an old woman, you know? And like when Billie Eilish came along, who's great. Right. <laughs> but like, w- what's going on there? Like what's, and then you hear her actually sing. Right. And her voices, she has a huge voice. Yeah. Massive dynamic range for right? her vocals, yeah, right? For but sure. she decided on most of her stuff to really focus on that really whispery ASMR esque very, exactly. like, yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's a very intimate 
vocal range mm -hmm. really. And if you, and you know, it's obviously it's compressed and it's layered and there's a mm -hmm. lot of it. So it really hits in a very, I think a very visceral way. I think mm -hmm. like we, the fact that ASMR has become a thing since the internet and TikTok has really kind of exploded lately. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I would say like, I would love to see the data on how much ASMR was researched before five years ago to now, like where right. that spike has been. Right. Because there's probably something primitive there that we're enjoying about this like really Compression made music mixes really loud. We used to have all this dynamic range in records way back when, right. and that's like the purest conversation mm -hmm. about old records versus new records, right. and everything sounds like garbage and it's quantized now. It's like I accept that shift because that is birth all, all kinds of Phil Collins, like all kinds of yeah. crazy different like tones and textures in music, which we needed. We right. needed a new palette to be able to paint with. Right. And so that's what that that's how I observed that, but. Shit, I have the worst ADD ever. I get on a tangent and, and I then you're like, lose where it. was I going with this? Yeah, I lost it. Son oh, of a bitch. Right. I knew I was going somewhere. It's the worst feeling is not sticking the landing. But yeah, if I could have <laughs> just got there, the point was fucking excellent. <laughs> That's great. But the that purest mentality. Well, what you were saying was that we haven't had anything new in a while. Yeah, it feels like that. But that's also narrow-sighted because obviously, like the hip hop community is genre bending and doing all kinds of stuff constantly. Good point. And so uh, the the podcast I was listening to that Rick Rubin was on, he was actually talking about like the like beginning era of like hip hop and rap and what it was versus what it became. Yeah. And his ear was, hey, I'm seeing this band live with these DJs and all this stuff going on. And what I'm hearing on the record is like a, actually kind of like a jazz record that they're huh. rapping over. And it's not capturing the energy that I'm thinking is the thing that really makes it what it's. And I want to help them. Special. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he intended to do it, but he was going to NYU and there was a reggae club that like every Thursday turned into like a hip hop night. Wow. And so he was like, I just like to go to that place and, and absorb it. And, you know, it takes some, like, I, I think he's a visionary certainly, but at the very least, at the very least, all he was, was just open to, Hey, could we, connect this thought and this thought, like mm -hmm. these two things that I'm like, like uh, lyrically, yeah, sure. Great. Live. Really, really great. How do we make that atmosphere come to and what I'm listening to so in the record? Hard, yeah. Isn't it? Well, I mean, that's the artist's journey individually. I think that's what bands should be discovering. That's what they should be exploring. Yeah. Like tone and texture and yeah. like you, you could pick up, uh, you know, uh, come on tambourine mm -hmm. and like it's rhythmically good. And it's also, visually good to watch like you are mm -hmm. you you just sell it and you're charismatic and <laughs> and you're like you're on time and like it's not it's not a bunch of bullshit like your movements really translate into what you're specifically trying mm -hmm. to play and yeah. that is important especially yeah. in anything rhythm oriented yeah. right and you know so to me I, I look at you doing that kind of stuff and i'm like yeah this is that fucking x factor this is that generation once in a generational you know Thanks. artist in our area yeah. that we have playing here and it's a shame that we don't have more of a platform that celebrates that outside of like, yeah. okay, Arts Fest and some stuff yeah. where they do some things outside. It's like, yeah. right, but where's our actual home? Like, where's our actual right. like music or the musical arts like facility that's not going to be taken from us mm -hmm. and can book all kinds of different genres of shows? Like, we have the people that care, say they care at least, and have, have the money to be able to donate and put these kind of infrastructures into place. And, you know, like, I think every town could be a little mini Nashville with the right kind of push and nudge in the right Absolutely. direction. State College definitely could. There's, yeah. you know, there, there are kids that are coming here that are 20, 21 years old that have a significant following on like TikTok or whatever. It's like, we're missing out on the opportunity to be the platform where they could be one discovered here and start making this place be a place that's known for that kind of thing. And then people 
who have kids that are musically inclined, maybe don't want to live, you know, two counties over. They want to move a little closer because they're like, I like that that community is there and that exists. Right. I'm really big into that right yeah. now. I don't know what it is that is like. Well, kicked me let into me this. know. I, I'd love to help facilitate that because there is um, a part of me that, you know, I get that. I get the question a lot. Like, why haven't you ever tried to go to the next level or why, you know. As if sometimes it's even a choice in the first place. Right. Like sometimes but, you don't know what you don't know. Well, and and for me, it's it certainly is that I've never tried to go to the next level because that would take more time than I'm able certainly. to commit to, you know. Right, but so are you not a real artist because you're not going for gold, right. going for broke? Like Right, but there's a part of me that, that I don't know, I, I – I'm not getting any younger, and I I wonder if that would be a regret down the road of of like not actually having truly tried to go the distance, whatever that means. Right. I mean, you define it ultimately. So, like, if you don't, if you haven't asked yourself that question by now, it must not have been too pressing of a question. Like, you, I feel like, have pretty authentically allowed yourself to enjoy your journey musically. Oh. I've got no regrets right now. For sure. Right? But I remember when JJ Rupp you know, yeah. the, and, and Richie, do you remember when the three of us were doing the happy hour at the first and we called ourselves Fo the Fox and the Hounds? No, but I love it. What a great That's name. That's great. Yeah, for right? sure. That was a great name. Anyway, the three of us did like a little trio happy hour okay. at the first and- um but with the right the right chemistry of those three people though that that that's a good time dude we were and the harmonies were on point oh my gracious like i could show you i'll show you a video of jj just took a quick video of us one night right warming up in the green room and it was like oh my gosh i didn't realize we were actually what are we the beach boys no, what's happening we weren't even mic'd like we were in the green room right you know just, what I mean? just enough of the good acoustics anyway, in there they were you know, you know, their summers were like beach. They toured all over, you know. Yeah, they're that. circuiting. Yeah, exactly. I'd never, I've never done that. I've never. But it's its own logistical nightmare in some is. ways, right? So, But, but it's I, also. I would, I'd love to do it when you have a team in place that makes that not right. a fucking chore. So I, they, they invited, come join the band for the summer. Come along. Hell yeah. Did you do it? No, because I had three children. Oh yeah. Well, that's a different situation, know, of course. Right. So that's what I mean. Like I came to the game later. But I feel like we're in this era now where the greatness can shine through. We've kind of hit that renaissance where. I think so too. That's why I'm like, I'm not, that's one of the reasons why I, I started that, that post. What was, it was also because I was looking at all the other local bands and like, we're playing here on Thursday. We're playing. I'm like, why do, I don't understand why people are doing this. Like, right. is it actually helping you? It's like, it's almost like the, the market is saturated. Certainly. Like there are people playing everywhere all the time. And if you're not barking right? at the moon, there's no opportunity for them to see you. So right. like, right. that's, that's right. the kind of right. mentality I think. Right. And also I think that's a, it, that's kind of a famine mentality on if I don't advertise, people might go and see somebody else and sometimes in like a malicious viewpoint. But the reality is like, I don't think I've ever been enticed to go see somebody that I didn't want to. I, I, I can vouch and say that the, the few acts that I go out of my way to be like, I don't want to go out. I'm a fucking curmudgeon. I'm my own buddy. I'm, I'm like, I would, 
I, it's not like I don't like being out, but I also don't like spending a shit ton of money drinking, right. which is the only thing you can do when you're out, right. really. And you could say that you can do other things, but that's what you're doing. Yeah. And, and if you don't, it's like it, there is like a socially awkward mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, that it can 100%. be. I wish it wasn't, but it is. to say it doesn't exist is ridiculous. Um, but like you guys and Lojack, like, I, like if I've had just two beers too many and I'm in the right fucking venue and Lojack plays Tennessee whiskey for me or something or, you know, whatever it ends up be, you guys are definitely guilty of doing that mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm yeah. trying, the corner brothers. Oh yeah. man. They, I fuck with those guys so hard. I feel so bad. I go see them. I'm like, <laughs> play that. Jason O gets it probably worse of everybody. Cause I'm more like closely connected to him, <laughs> nice. but I am just the biggest badgering pain in the ass. Cause like, I feel like we're all past a point where we can acknowledge what is and is not fun about being a musician mm-hmm. in our town right now. Yeah. And so it's like, we might as well fucking fuck with each other and laugh because we don't, we're going to cry. Like that's right. like, we're all in this fucking race together right. here, whether we're doing things right. abroad or locally right. or whatever. Right. And, and we're playing songs now that we swore we'd never play. Like what? Oh, let's see. What have we added? Wagon um, wheel. Oh no, that well. I mean, we can be bought for that one. We we can be bought. There's a that, price. There's a price. Um, what have we What have we willingly added? Yeah, yeah. Um, willingly, we have willingly added uh, your love by the outfield. How's that one go? Josie's on a vacation oh, far yeah, yeah. away. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great song, but oh god, we were never going to cover that because. Certain members of the band did not ever want to cover that. For sure. And the real shame right. is they would, you guys will, whatever you want to do, whether you want to do it or not, if you do it, you will fucking crush it. And we, and we are. Because <laughs> you, you go loves hard. It, exactly. Right? And now we're, we're like, doing Take On Me. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so stuff like this that we, <laughs> you know, we were purists in the sense of classic rock for a long time. Right. right? Nothing wrong with that. No, nah, but, but somewhere around probably 20, 16 or 17, it became like- We're getting weird. Classic rock was Nirvana. Right, yeah, yeah. You're you're hearing on like the oldie station, you're like, what the fuck? Exactly. Friends is on Nick at Night now. Like what? (laughs) Just the same thing? Okay, so now we are, okay. (laughs) So we need to rethink. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to fall into the trap of being like our music is what was good music, and then nah, we don't really branch there's out. Great music. You yeah, just gotta I, find the good stuff. And I love. I like. I love the. There's a lot more behind the scenes with artists like Billie Eilish, for example. My buddy Maddie Vogel. I don't know if he's with her right now, but he has been her like photographer on retainer for cool. her label or whatever for the last couple of years, and he is a brilliant photographer. But. And so I, I guess I paid more attention because I was seeing her more and sure. I was proud of him for having that as a gig. I'm like, what a gig. My buddy, Maddie, fucking, oh, this one on the charts right now. It's oh, yeah. That's, my homie just yeah. does photos. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> but like her influences and the things that she's into definitely infect the way she writes her music too. And she writes some, I, I don't know that I don't like all of my fucking songs. So I, I wouldn't say like, well, I don't like all her stuff. I'm like, she, I just acknowledge, I'm like, she has plenty of stuff she's written. Yeah. Or that I've seen behind the scenes stuff for, or the things that she's spoken about her influences on, that I'm like, I fuck with her. Like that she's real. Like she's at least genuine. And to me, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And Lizzo, like Yeah, hell yeah. Oh my lord. Like she, some great. Yeah, great for sure. Stuff. And and like I feel like it gets pulled into this like political, like visual element where we have to talk about like her weight and then health and this, that, and everything. It's like right. No, literally, this is the one place where none of that fucking matters because right. what she's doing is what she wants to do. Right. And, oh, by the way, she's 
fucking crushing it. And it's resonating. Like it's sometimes it's a catchy, quirky one liner, but she also is audibly just doing things that are really interesting and fun. Oh yeah. And like, I'm a grown ass man saying that. So like you can't be shut off from being able to have that discourse and acknowledge those things. Yeah. And uh, I think we're at a place now where people are starting to be a little more liberal with like, it's not people, a lot less people hate Nickelback now. I feel like they feel like they can be honest about that. Well, I mean, yeah, the songs are not all great, but it's like a guilty pleasure. But can anything really be a guilty pleasure if you're right. enjoying it? Like, exactly. that's just what that's, you like. It's actually called pleasure. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> just pleasure. No need to be guilty. Yeah, don't yuck my yum with my exactly. audio love. Right. Let's let people find joy in the world where they can. Yeah, certainly. And, like, I love whenever I hear two genres come together that somebody's trying to experiment with, and I'm like – this is fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, I can't stand this right. at all. But I am at least like, hey. Like, le- what was that song? Old Town Road? Right. What the hell? And it went, it got so popular. I right. mean, my kids, and I was like, what? Are, what? What? Okay. And then you kind of. And then, then it I like, mean, it's actually kind of catchy. Yeah. And Lil Nas X is kind of a fucking marketing genius. All oh, of his, my God. All of his videos start as almost like short films in the beginning yeah. of it. And he's willing to push buttons and, yep. and push against yep. sort of like you know, stereotypes and gender oh, norms and all Lord. kinds of stuff. And totally. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I'm like that. That's my Marilyn Manson whenever I was in high school mm-hmm. and I wasn't even a huge Marilyn. I was more of a, maybe like a Slipknot fan or mm-hmm. a system of a down fan, mm-hmm. but envelope pushers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's like a social critic, you know, a social critique. And then sometimes it's a, a music critique. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just trying to think of a, uh, you know, I was thinking about collaboration, right? Yeah. Did you ever see any of the Crossroads specials on like CMT or one of those channels where they- were... I'm sure at some point. Okay, so they, they'll bring in a, an art, two artists from two totally different genres. And then they, and they rehearse together and then they perform together each other's songs. Yeah, that's fucking so, genius because it's so stupid simple to do. Exactly. And we could be doing it right here. We kind of did it with the Son of a Bitch cover like right. that was a lot of, that's that's too many i wouldn't want to that you don't want to do that as an epic collab every time right but in a time where we needed to kind of we, we showed up for us oh, in the community so good. hell yeah that's yeah. that's awesome but one of those one of the one of the collabs is um vince gill and sting and they're so good yeah and you would never place these two together doing this john mayer and keith urban yeah I mean, and and the behind the scenes banter for them was fun too because they're coming from two totally different exactly. worlds and experiences. Every musician is like, if we sat down and did a song together, exactly. we'd be coming from very different places. Exactly. But I guarantee we, the way we would approach things, we would enjoy the the outcome because it's what the we same get. language. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's just how we speak together. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, that's one of my favorite things about it, and I think as an exercise, that's one of the things we like to do. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, if this is a top forty song. I kind of want to do something a little darker with it. Can we imagine if they did this, mm-hmm. but we borrowed kind of like more rhythmic elements from this mm-hmm. this kind of a, a song or a structure of maybe this this band or whatever, and then this one over here? It's like you're connecting dots and plugging just some pieces that don't belong together to see what new thing you can create. Yeah, and sometimes it goes well, but I think if you've got the advent ability to input your expression into it and yep. see how you want to express it, yeah, you're gonna come up with something awesome. Yeah. Especially if you get out of everybody's way and just exactly. like let things happen and exactly. try things out and be afraid right. to. Jason does this thing uh, that I love. He's like, I try to write a song that sucks. Like, just I'm like, I can't wait to write the shittiest song ever. 
And that as a practice gets you out of your head. It does. Feeling like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders and nail something. And I am somebody who benefits from the practice of that more often than not just because. Get out of your own way. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, I can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. So you're wrapping up your semester. Mm Mm-hmm. What is the, what is, I don't know what class you actually teach. I just, I've heard like women's study professor. I've heard no, I, like. Human development and family studies. See, I think people see you as this progressive person and like, oh, it must it be. It must be women's studies. It's not. <laughs> it's human development okay. and family studies. And I teach our intro class, which, so it's HDFS 129. Yeah. 700 students. Is that in the Hammond building? Uh, it's in 100 Thomas. Thomas. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I basically teach. My TAs have have named it a couple of things. Uh, you know, the the one that I like is um, how to be a person 101. Like that's that's what Molly teaches. Like she teaches you how to be a person. Yeah. And then the other uh, name that they've said is um, this is the class that teaches you why you're so fucked up. <laughs> and here's both important and angles. Here's what to do about it. Right, but right. those are. It's funny that you get the like the sort of the resounding uh, roaring applause of people that enjoy having class with you. They're excited to take class with you. They're excited when they see you downtown. Like you are, you're more uh, you know ethereal than just like oh she's my professor and she sometimes plays in this thing. It's like you are like this whole aura and personality <laughs> and like character that you that if you interact with genuinely, you're gonna find out a lot about yourself that you need to find out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, in the form, I, w- I should come and just like audit one of your you classes can. sometimes. Yeah, I would totally yeah. love to. Um, Open door. Yeah. So do you feel like you, as you're teaching like newer, newer generations as they're kind of coming up, coming up into, uh, you know, undergrad and just hitting the beginning of like higher education in general, mm-hmm. what do you feel like is the most rewarding part of doing that for you? Do you, do you get like, do you feel oh, something like yeah. tangibly rewarding that comes from oh, it? Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, so I've been teaching First as an adjunct, then as a grad student, and then on the faculty since 1998. Okay. So I have students that are now married with children, lots of students who are now married with children, who email me or message me on Facebook or come to the bar. you have the same email from Penn State, uh-huh. remember? <laughs> and they tell me that what they learned in my class has made them a better spouse, made them a better parent made them a better sister, made them a better sibling, made them a better But what do you think you did and why do you think that is? Because – Like what have you parlayed to them that they have been able to take home to be able to – So going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, it's about really learning why you have the lens that you have when you're interpreting somebody's – what they're saying – or what? The, yeah, we're all doing it, and we're and we're all doing it with this lens that we don't even know why we have on because the bulk of our personality, people don't realize that the bulk of our personality is really set in place by the time we're four. Right, and you need to start figuring out how to combat yourself in ways that you don't want to deal with the repercussions of the shit that you're going to deal with if you overreact to somebody you know, cutting you off in traffic and you're right. I, you, like rage and all kinds right. of. Right. Or, or, you know, your, your significant other. So here's, here's one, here's one question that I give. So I, okay. I use Top Hat, right? In my big 700. What's Top Hat? Top Hat is a, um, an app where they can, well, I can take attendance, but I can take it 
but and I ask a question and it might be multiple choice and they text in their answer and then we can see their answers. Right. Uh, without they're all anonymous, I just get that you answered. I don't know whether you answered A, B, C, D, or E. So, right, right. So that makes it easy for you to answer honestly. Like right, it's anonymous in that regard. Right. So one of the m- most interesting questions. But you do get ever- to see the answers, though, right? Yes. Okay. You just don't know who gave. I just from. don't know who gave. Okay. And that's I can great. see the percentages of each. And so with seven hundred people, that's it's pretty cool because it's like that's a pretty big N, as we would call it, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of in social science. Yeah, right? for sure. That's a All good right. study. Like it's a great study. Okay, so so when we talk about trust issues, okay. So the question that I ask, and I've been asking, oh, I'm coming right for the heart right now. I am. I can tell. Come on, <laughs> and you're gonna be honest. Yeah, for sure. So the question I ask is, um, okay, so you are at home, and your significant other is at work. Okay, and they're just about to get off of work. And you're expecting a text from them. Okay. And the time comes, maybe it's 10 o'clock and no text comes. Okay. And no text comes. And by about 10, 10, you're like, okay. So you text them and you say, hey, I thought you were going to text me when you got off work. What's up? Right. And then the three dots appear. (laughs) And then they go away. And then they go away. <laughs> and then I say, now here's where you got to be honest with yourself. Okay. Your initial reaction, not where you may eventually end up, for better or worse, either way, your initial reaction when the three dots disappear, A, I, um, they're cheating on me. Get straight to it. Answer A is cheating on me. They're cheating on me. B, well, we had a good run, but now I have to break up with them. (laughs) Uh, C is um, uh, they're going to tell me they got stuck in an elevator, but they're totally lying. They're going to say they had bad reception, but they're totally lying. Right. D is something must have come up at work and they'll get back to me. The healthy one. Right. (laughs) And E is, I am completely unlovable. Oh, my answer would be the one, it would be, is two of them. And it depends on where I am with this mm-hmm. relationship with this person or how long I've known them mm-hmm. or what, what our, you know, with the benefit of perspective mm-hmm. of what our friendship has involved or entailed, things mm-hmm. happening or whatever. Uh, I, I could, I'm so busy. I could largely give a shit if somebody stuck. I turn off my read receipts. So I don't want somebody to know that I read it because I could, I could read it. And totally fucking forget. Mm-hmm. Tim, last question right now, he can attest to this. He sent me a message. I sent him a message. He responded and he was like, we're still on, right? And I didn't fucking get back to it. I had clearly seen it. I didn't know the, the message was read. And uh, it took me like two days later. I got back to him. I was like, oh yeah, shit. We are we're on, still we're on. on. We're on. This, that was for this podcast. So I accept that anybody could have that problem. However, if there is some sort of a system in place where or uh, occurrences of taking experiences have happened where that person has prove to me that they've confirmed my worst fear and they've done the thing where they like they get off and maybe they're you know they they just they disappear for two hours and then they're like hey like i just got off i'm like did you if i know you've lied about getting off work in the past and one why should i give a fuck Mm -hmm. two but if i know that you're lying about something as innocuous as what time you got off work 
like, and I'm expecting, and you know right. that I'm expecting, and there's like right. an understanding that that's right. expectant. So yeah, I mean, I, I so could then see what's it either your, way. So what's your reaction? What's your initial? D, it was, I feel like it's D. Something comes up. I'm like, I can, I'm like, if, if they're a bartender or they're, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like service industry, like it's, it's any man's game. You have to account for like, these are the okay, facts so involved. You're expecting a text from them. If that's the expectation and right. I, and I don't, and then all of a sudden right. I see it and then it disappears. I just happen to catch that and they don't say anything. And I think it'd be. Initial reaction is. Not where you, because see, you already, you just talked yourself into where you were going to get. Right, okay, okay, What's your initial reaction? And that's what I tell my students. What's your initial reaction? I guess it depends on where I am with the trust with that person at that time. Like if I, if I, if there is trust. But you know you, so where would you be? I, I, well, it's it's a hypothetical. I don't have a person to attach it to, so I can't, like, that's the hard part. I want to gravitate towards, okay, something came up, like, I don't sweat it, like, Mm -hmm. I hope I hope that God people aren't going to re- like verbally crucify me because right. I for- started a text. So maybe yours would be off. D. But I feel like I, I just easily, I know for a fact I've shown up as C. And C is, um, oh, you're lying. You're going to say, you're going to make up yeah, some shit. Yeah, you're going to make some lying. shit because I've, ex- yeah. Right. So I. I have, to, I have to be, I have to be basically, what's the term? Like uh, not coerced, but like I have to be steered to C. Before I get to C, I don't gravitate to C naturally. Mm, okay, it's it's almost always D because I just fundamentally understand that life is chaotic for everybody, and we could all be taken at any minute. And you're <laughs> and you've. It sounds like you inherently trust people. I want to certainly. That's, I think it's easier to like. I don't. I think respect should be earned mm-hmm. in almost all cases. And you just show up with the with the just the normal baseline level of decent human respect for mm. another person when you show up, right. and then they either get more respect from there, or you know you're like, oh, this person's kind of yeah. sus. I don't know right. if I'm, I'm down right. with this. Right. But yeah, by and large, I, I'm there to trust. I would I would like to have the trust. Yeah. You know, and okay. so like I don't. So, so I am B. B is B is we had a good run, but now I have to break it. <laughs> yeah. Well, time to pack it in. So see ya. So. I could be, I've been bees some nights too. So the cool thing about it is that we have this idea in human development called attachment, which is where in infancy, depending on the kind of care you receive from your parents or caregivers, you either learn that the world is safe, that people can be trusted and and that that you're worthy of love, right? Right. And when we do study after study after study after study since the 1970s on attachment, we see that in our culture about- Like Western culture? West, well, the United States specifically, okay. about 55% of people are securely attached, meaning they would pick D. That many people are there? You're saying 55%? Half of people- uh, More than half, 55% or whatever? 55% are securely attached. Okay. And that and that actually surprises That's, people because they think it should be higher because people think- I'm surprised it's not lower, actually. Well, the-, the I feel like anxious attachment is probably the, the rampant monster. I would imagine that would be like, it is now, okay. It is now. Oh, yeah, of course. The so there's th- a trajectory right. there. But the thing is, is that you would think- This is all in infancy. So you would think- right. Well, aren't parents like just taking good care of their babies? And they're, you know, I mean, I guess by objectively, it, yes, maybe if right, that's they're what not they're, starving them. So that's right, good. certainly, yeah. But we're not looking at the the actual uh, fixed area of like, okay, right. but what are where when what is baseline for bare needs being met 
And why would you ever steer towards bare needs exactly, being met? Like, exactly. Yeah. So what's very interesting, and it, this is when I always hook them in. This is why people go, holy shit. I don't plan it every fucking semester about 55% is D and the rest of them are A, B, C, or E, right? And we have numbers, percentages for the attachment. Mine is avoidant. Like avoidant is like, okay, well then. Right, right, you. right, right. <laughs> Gonna leave before I get left. You know what? <laughs> right. I don't have need you. Have you Irish goodbye uh, <laughs> any time in the last year? We're done. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. And that's, that's clearly B. It's also, there's a hint of C in there. Like, yeah, you're lying. Like you're going to tell me that, but fuck you, you're lying. Right. A and E are clearly the, they're totally cheating on me and I am completely unlovable. Right. Are the really anxious ones. Yeah. Right. This semester is the first time that the I'm completely unlovable one was the second highest answer. Wow. See, that's fucking telling. And that's a byproduct of a lot of things. It's it's hard whenever you have to think about it also in terms of like COVID generationally. Well, COVID, COVID certainly, but like I look at my family as my litmus test, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think that my family is, is typical in every regard. But I think every family's got their their fun dysfunction. Yep. You know, yep. everybody's yep. got their own stuff. Uh, but when it comes to like my 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 parents' generation raising them, like my dad did not get a fair shake, but turned out to be I'm so fucking lucky I got him as my dad and thank God his hardships turned him into the lovable guy that he is and, and right. raised me to be my mom. Uh, on the other token, I look at her, I'm like, she was really young when she had me. My dad was 10 years older than mm -hmm. her already had some kids and they had very real relationship, not problems, but like things that need challenges. to be addressed. Challenges. Yeah. Certainly that's the right word. Certainly. Uh, and so, I can't be mad at them for not knocking it out of the fucking park if they weren't set up by their parents right. either. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when you start to uncover what kind of family issues you really have had to deal with on the social level and like, did grandpa do this with mm -hmm. grandma's, you know, knitting club friend or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, like right. that stuff starts to change your worldview on what it is to like, to me, my parents split up when I was in maybe like 10, 11, 12. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well I want to get married and I would love to have kids, but I only want to do this once. Cause I know that it put, my siblings through exactly. and me through and I want to avoid that. And the least I could do is the due diligence to say like, okay, I'm going to try to no matter what show up for myself in this regard and set myself up yep. for success in that so that I can create. But that almost implies that I didn't enjoy the the upbringing I got. I just acknowledge that what it is is what it is. Everybody was doing the best they could. Exactly. I don't think anybody was and dropping the fucking ball. Exactly. But that happens for some people. Their parents Absolutely. don't just drop the ball. They oh. don't give a fuck or they're malicious. Like right. there's that's they're abusive or they're certainly. Neglectful. Yeah. But some, but you figure like if the way it dilutes is between like my parents' generation to my, my, my parents, my mm -hmm. parents to me. And now my younger brother has kids and he's raising his kids. Mm -hmm. And you kind of see these ebbs and flows and yep. like generational values that yep. kind of take place and the shifts that kind of happen. Yep. And this Gen Z, like the the Zennial or whatever they're no, whatever no, the right. latest one is, mm -hmm. I don't want them. My I don't. Kids. I don't want to believe that they're fucked because they have so much access to information. But holy shit, we could stop traumatizing them any minute now. How be about pretty it? tight. How about it? And so I think, insofar as we're maybe a few old people and you know government and communities passing away and letting the room for new blood get in there, Not shifting a towards a, a more like you know understanding and progressive side. Not saying that older people aren't understanding or whatever like we just have to get to 
a better place of understanding. I think we're, what is it? Acknowledgement's like the first step. Like we have to be able to identify it in the first place, what we're dealing with yeah. and not, that's not even the problem. We've identified it in plenty of ways. We just don't do anything about well, it. Well, and, we don't and not everybody things. is accepting that that's actually, they, they're oh, like, yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah. that's not real or right. white privilege. What do you mean? Yeah. You know, systemic racism. I don't know what you're talking about. I worked hard to get where I am. I and just don't, like, yeah, and that, that always baffled me because I'm like, it doesn't take anything from you right. to just identify, could you, like, just on paper, if I had to give numbers to these complex emotions and we could see this kind of math, like, that this expression play out in an algorithm the way it does in mm -hmm. our, in what we would say is a manifestation in our lives, how could you not say that there's influence here and that this probably leads into this? Like, can we dry? I think because we try to do it in an absolute way sometimes where we want to connect a line and say, this line is- This causes that. This that is, causes it's that. this and it's this yeah, all the time. Exactly. It's like, no. can we, I think we all agree that life is pretty fucking complex in every yes. other way. So certainly exactly. there's going to be nuanced conversation and discussion and discourse that needs to yes. take place to actually see anything meaningful happen. And, but like in, in governments, the governments that do the best are the ones that are kind of like that, per not centrist, but like that perfect mix of, you know, sharing the values of everybody collectively where nobody's kind of having to give up uh, a freedom so that somebody else can have their authority right. and vice versa. Right. Like I'm not, like nobody is general. I, I think we have so much more in common than we have a yeah. different from one another. For sure. And I think it's more and more prevalent now when we see how many people are suffering and how like almost synonymous the suffering seems to be between people. Yeah. Like if you're seeing an, an uptick in people saying that I'm not worthy of love is the second highest answer. It's because they don't have a, a, a good definition of what love is and what maybe what it is, but not what it, how it looks in their life, how it would right. manifest in their lives. Well, and the culture tells us that we have to look a certain way and drive a certain car and have a certain house and, but then we get it's this app. unattainable. We just get this app relatively recently, this, um, what's it called? Be Real, where you can oh only post God. once a day. Yes, you have any experience with it? Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's at least, a, that is, you have to acknowledge there's a step in the right direction of saying like, I okay. I just can't figure out how to use it because my it's only just my forehead. <laughs> I'm not, like, I don't know why. On I'm this not, person? Yeah, like yeah, the under chin. I, I don't get why, why I, I thought I was taking the right picture. But that's a, an acknowledgement or a step in saying like, hey, we want to stop seeing everybody's highlight reel. We we're getting closer and closer to wanting to see the more authentic thing. We're yep. definitely doing it with music. Yeah. Like I didn't get TikTok for the longest time. Uh, and I had the app, but I wasn't on it actively. And then I dated a girl who was like, oh, you got to get on it. Like you just got to just give it a, give it an hour one day. Just like the fuck around. I'm like, all right, well, that's one a tall ask. But two, as I do it and I'm, I'm engaging with things that I like, I'm finding out information. I'm learning things that I like. And even if it's something as silly as uh, – like a hack with like how to get multiple nails out with a hammer, something stupid like that. I see it and I'm like, commit to memory. I will remember that dumb fucking thing for the rest of right. my life for no reason. And so- Other than I saw it on TikTok. And I love behind the scenes stuff with musicians. Yep. And I watch uh, music video directors. I see the things that they do in, for practical effects in music videos. And as somebody who likes to create them and, and shoot awesome. and direct them- it's a that's a really good learning tool. Ugh, now I'm thinking I need to get on TikTok. You would fucking slay. And and I think in the, in so <laughs> far as people that have genuine talent, generational talent like I think you do, not because you're uh just abnormally randomly gifted, like you you've honed your craft. You mm -hmm. worked hard and you you are the sum and culmination of all of your influences, right? Mm -hmm. So, to me, yeah, I would just love to see you 
you and Ted just riffing. I'm a visual person. I like to see things a certain way so that they're, they feel more cinematic, especially when it comes yes, to music or something. I agree. If I have to watch a video of something, I don't want to see the shitty cell phone video of it. it like that doesn't do it for me. It doesn't matter how good that audio sounds. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just not going to do it for me. But if I can see the atmosphere that you're trying to make me see in the music that you're playing, mm-hmm. man, like I love purple lights and you cool. know, like just yeah, yeah, random yeah. shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll set an atmosphere up. And I, you know, I see rack focusing between you and then going to Ted and I go down and I'm watching him play as just beautifully as he plays. That's the kind of stuff that I want to get into doing for other artists because I'm like, if this, if I can get these people to show up like they do anyway and let me multi-cam film this and capture it the way that I think that's my, I guess, gift is that I I look at it like I was raised on media. So I know what I feel like looks good. And Mm -hmm. I think I've done enough. I put enough media content in the world to, get their millions and billions of views and streams to justify that I know at least a little about what I'm talking about, enough to feel confident Mm -hmm. in what I I believe. But it's like uh, people aren't seeing – like I think Ted should be fucking massive. You, fucking massive. And it only happens if people can see you. Well, luckily we got this thing called the internet. I know. And it connects you to everyone. We did a cover of Royals was the first song that Relic Hearts released. And just like 2018, early 2018 – uh, the, like, uh, his name is Harry Coco uh, Santoso. He's the largest booking agent in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. His crew finds us and sends us to him. And then he wants to fly us out there to play this international indie music festival. Wow. That only happened because I was willing to take the gamble on doing the thing. And I feel like if, if we can get to a place where all of these musicians and artists are willing to get rid of the stigma, the things they're afraid of, just try some shit. And not, it's like therapy. You can't just go to one therapist. You got to go to multiple therapists. Everybody's got a good idea and for you what will help go your music career. Multiple times. Yes. Two therapists. Certainly. But yeah. also experiment. Get out there and yeah. try these different things. And if you don't like, I'll try anything twice. Like if I don't like the idea of adding this element into this song, I'm not going to never use it again. I'm going to wait until maybe, again. I, maybe yeah. yeah, maybe I'll square peg in a round hole for a little bit yep. and I'll just decide it won't work. But yeah. you have to be willing yeah. to take these gambles. But yeah. I think, yeah, I want to create. You know, if I could find a way to get the arts funding for it, I would create the space where I could have these people come up to one place. They're already there. They are our ensemble. They are who they want. Right. We talk, okay, what do we see for this? And we create this like atmosphere and then we listen to it and the mix is the way we want it to Mm -hmm. be. And it's everything just hits just right. Like that's to me can, that's the only way you can transform somebody's worldview of music and a, a new genre or a new artist visually without actually fucking being there and being able to I think about all the people you probably see against the rail at the first that are just like leaning there and just watching Ted and just mm-hmm. watching you and being mm-hmm. like this is fucking wild these guys yeah. are amazing yeah. it's a it's, it's a real feeling yeah, you get goosebumps really cool. you're like fuck yeah. these guys are good yeah. I can't believe I get to see these guys do this well I think the visual should match that TikTok says that doesn't need to be the case I've got proof of people just lip syncing <laughs> stuff and getting millions of views I've done it so it's you know it's it's the world is so big now. It's like I want everybody to get out there and, yeah. and get over the hurdle of being afraid to, to put well, it out there. Well, keep pushing me because my students are saying the same thing. Like, why aren't you on TikTok? Why right, because they – I mean you probably do enough silly shit singing throughout your day. Just things that – I woke up this morning. I don't have the shirt on now. Uh, it was a Labyrinth shirt, so David mm-hmm. Bowie's on it. And I got a compliment on it early uh, while I was getting my hair cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, it made me think about whenever I put it on in the morning, I had a song from – the labyrinth in my mm-hmm. head and just because i saw the like the artwork for it and put it on and there's 
that's that's how fucking powerful music can be. Exactly. So I just want to get to this point where I'm like, okay, so you are this jewel in this area. Let's how do I figure out how to get my friends to be seen in that regard the way I see them? No, I love it. Well, let me know. I, I tell just, me where. Tell me where to be. Right, right, right. It just <laughs> and I think to me that's been my biggest. That's what took me so long to get just a good a podcast that's I consider good by mm-hmm. my standards going was because I was like, ah, I just, I don't want to start it and have it change too much. I don't want to, I was trying to put too many cooks in the kitchen, exactly. getting in my own way. And getting I was like, perfect in the way. I'm not going to have fun doing yeah. this thing that I'm creating right now. Cause I'm already stressing myself the fuck out about it. Yep. I got to get, I was like, I want to talk to people that I know have interesting things to say and understand this, you know, I collective influence that we share. Yeah. Do you do a lot with music with your students? Um, this do you semester, integrate, I mean, like not as much as I probably could, but you know, we have set curriculum that has to be taught, right. but this semester I designed a course. I won a grant right before COVID hit, uh, from the Mellon foundation and Eisenhower center for Perfor- the performing arts. Okay. Uh, they were looking for teachers to design courses that would increase student engagement at Eisenhower because we have Penn State has this beautiful right. performing arts center and shame It'd be nice if it was getting used a exactly. little bit more right and yeah. some students don't even know it exists mm-hmm. I mean they honestly don't even know it's there we have an so. insane opera hall that they built not too long ago that sounds amazing in right. there we're so, not utilizing exactly it. so I got so I got the idea that um I would create uh the class is called creativity and the arts in human flourishing Okay, I love it. And the idea is that part of flourishing, meaning not just surviving, but thriving. Thriving, actually, yeah. Involves being creative, Mm -hmm. consuming creativity, consuming art, consuming music. We already do a ton of it. Yeah. But let's actually look at the process. Let's look at why some people think they're not creative. Yeah. Why do some people think they're not an artist? Why do some people think they can't sing or can't write or don't read or write? We label early on. You can't do anything you don't fucking try to do. And education just stomps the creativity out of children. Yeah. You said we're brains mostly done pattern wise done developing around four. four and then we send them in the school and they're like, oh, and then in case you had any fucking dreams after that, just boom. And don't forget to color inside the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we squash it. I'm a big long time preacher of this as well. Yeah. Right. So this semester I finally launched the course and it's been a learning process. Uh, I've had different artists come in and talk to the class. You had Ted, I think, come in. Ted came in. Jason O came in. Okay. Um, Ken Baxter came in, talked about storytelling. Uh, My friend Gabby, who's a yoga teacher, came in and did yoga with them in the classroom. Um, uh, Tomorrow, my friend Blake is going to show them about self-care and, (laughs) you know, mindfulness. Because, I mean, when we think about creativity – the thing that comes to most people's minds is art, like right. visual art. Right. Or, or, okay, oh, write music. Oh, 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 yeah, and some people write stories. And, like, then you start to branch out from art, which 
is like a palette. Right. And people think art. Right. That hangs in a museum. Yep. Right. It's got a frame. Exactly. So creativity is just thinking outside the box. Yes. You can be creative on the athletic field. You can be creative in the boardroom. You can be creative in business. You can be creative in the kitchen, in the garden, wherever, right? So I'm still, it's a work in progress because let me tell you, it is hard as fuck to get people's schedules so that they can come into your class to try and get, I don't want to not pay them. So to try and get payment, right? Right. You said you got a grant. Yeah, but that's going to be, so how is the class going to be sustainable if I don't have the grant money yeah. coming. So I love anyway, this new president, but she's like in budget cutting mode and trying to the balance law the budget. School now, like what's next people? Right, oh my right, Lord. Right. Yeah. So, so to answer your original question, do you use music? Um, no, not as much as not in my other classes. I will teach in my infancy course. I teach a little section on music and in infancy and how important that is. But in general, there's just not, the space for it in human development and family Certainly. studies because but of this the other course sounds like you the space yeah. is there and, and also and it, it has it presented in a way where it can be seen in context exactly yeah that's super super important and, I think that that needs that, to happen more the the university has already expressed an interest the I'm I'll be putting in for faculty senate approval so that it becomes right. an actual course then it'll be offered every semester right and then I'll worry about funding like at that right. point then I'll figure out. Yeah, where to get? You can't stress it before you're in the position to have to start stressing about exactly. it anyway. Otherwise, you're just you know, exactly. slacking yourself out before you're exactly. into it. But what I've found, the feedback that I've gotten from the students is, I mean, boy, do they they just love w- w- listening to an artist talk about the process, and they love because there's so many parallels to things that are. I mean, we're always creating constantly. I really truly believe that. Like, I we are creation. Love. Certainly, yeah, manifest and you know walking. I like to go to like thrift stores or uh, like antique stores mm-hmm. and like just at the first hour of my day, if I'm up before, if I have a lot of stuff to do that day, that's exhausting. And I know it. I'm like, and it's not like I do it as a reprieve from knowing I have to go do like real personal work. Now I enjoy the idea of seeing weird ornamental things and knickknacks and weird paintings and this old record. And look at this old woodworking tool. What and, can I repurpose that thing for? Oh yeah. That, well, I'm a fucking yeah. tinkerer. So that, yeah, that yeah. is, that's, that's almost a vice at this point, but <laughs> that tinkering is my sort of creativity right. and it is, a, is a type of creativity that's different than others. It's not the same as my music or songwriting. It's not the same well, as this is creativity. Yeah. And I think like, to me, that's what I wanted to tap into. Like collaboration is not, it's not just for artists. It's also for, you know, entrepreneurs and people that start businesses and maybe you're a pastry chef or, you know, like there's a way for things to cross over and interact with each other in a lot of ways. And, and it then, should. Yeah. And I don't, I'm, a, I used to, I feel like to a fault, badger people into finding out what their passions were and mm-hmm. try to make them monetize them. And <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's it's certainly not the only thing. And right. I, I think at one point I was really fixated on being like, I guess I was doing something I loved. And I was like, look, if I can do this thing that I didn't go to school for, but people say I have an eye for and I've gotten an Emmy for now, like I don't want to make somebody do something they they love for a living if it's gonna kill their their you know their spirit or their art yeah. or what it is that they you know really yeah. drives them to that passion. But I'm like, there's too many people that don't even, my mom, I I think my mom a lot in this case, like she has always done anything she set her mind to, but there is sort of this like, not negative self-talk, but there is self-talk taking place that sort of talks her out of 
making this leap or trying this taking thing. Chances, and, yeah. and I'm like, I guess my generation, I, I lucked out in just the right spot in my upbringing and everything to be like able to have defined what success was going to look for me. It's shifted obviously, but I kind of had an idea of what my life was going to look like and mm -hmm. what it wasn't going to look like. Mm -hmm. well, it certainly wasn't going to be a fucking nine to five. Right. I, my first year after uh, high school, my mom worked for a, uh, a construction company. I won't name them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she got me on as a flagger. And so I had to take a little course and then I'm driving all over the God's green earth in Pennsylvania and just standing there. Sometimes I'm making 35 bucks an hour to sit there with a stop and slow sign. And it wasn't like it was difficult work in terms of like how much brain power, brain power it took to, mm -hmm. to execute it. But it does require awareness and it does require mm -hmm. you know, my attention for driving there. And also, you know, I got to show up for it and it's exhausting to just stand, you yeah. know? And so I did that for like maybe six months to a year and I was like, fuck this. Tried it. I, I gave it an hour on it. I thought I could no be a labor and badass like my dad. Nope. I'm not even really close. So my mom starts working for the university. She's like, why don't you go to school? You can pick whatever major you want to. So I do that and I go to the university and I'm, I get through it because I, I picked a, an, a major that I was interested in to see through. Mm -hmm. And then I got out and I was like, I got an offer to sing in a band and I'd never gotten to pursue that. And I was like, I also had government job offers and contracts for like big agencies that I would have not been amazing pay. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have defined my life in a way that I always saw it going. And so I just chose to do the thing I love. And it's amazing how many people don't. Yep. And you you have both. You I feel like you have the best of both worlds in that regard. You've got an amazing family. You've got your career in terms of like the you know academics and higher mm -hmm. education. And then you also have this creative outlet that I mean, most people, especially I, I look at generational, you know, musicians, I'm like, that's somebody who enjoys doing that too. Yeah. Like you you really but I'm sure it doesn't always feel like that. Not to like, you know, mostly it. it does. That's good. But that's because of work you've done to be able to acknowledge and appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Cause I know plenty of people that are doing it and they fucking hate the grind and they just waiting for that break. And without that break, everything is right. just, you know, no, just I kicking this it. can down the road. And I don't see that in you. And and it, that manifests in your performances. And I, I believe that if I, I've seen, I've been lucky and blessed enough to have met enough people that have done the thing that they love doing and taken the shot in the dark mm -hmm. and just went for it. And I know tons of times it doesn't work out, but it never works out if you don't take the effort, yeah. you know, like you have to make that fucking effort to go yeah. after the thing you want to do. Yeah. And some people are too afraid to try that. Yeah. So I try, I, I like, I, I really relish in this idea of like a, a, I, so when I do creative things to get my brain going, just to be more thoughtful in the morning, what do you do if you're trying to have like a, a thoughtful morning? What are your like go-tos for waking your brain up in that creative oh, sense? Uh, I do. I come, I make myself my, my uh, oat milk latte. <laughs> And I sit down with the New York Times crossword and a Ken Ken. And I get uh, Ken Ken is like a Sudoku with math equations. And that's your shit? That's your. I mean, that gets my brain going in the morning. Uh, yeah, it certainly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm looking at like, I would like to avoid those numbers like the fucking plague. See, I, I love math. My dad's a mathematician, computer scientist. I was really good in, as a kid. I yeah, I it love somewhere. it. And, and, I, and, and I just like things that can be solved. Yeah. Because most of what I do has no solution. <laughs> right. So that means it seems like a, a mode of control that you're able to exercise in your life. I you're think like, it is. It just feels good to like, ah, done. I know what one okay. plus one is, motherfucker. <laughs> Answer and line through. Yeah. Ken, Ken, check it out. Ken, Ken. Uh, the ones I do are seven by seven. The the larger, the- The, the more complicated? The, oh, yeah. So does it get like exponentially harder? 
Like five by fives, I could do in under two minutes. Seven by sevens could take me three days. Damn. But I'm only, I'm going to spend a half an hour in the morning. Right. If right, that. Right. Yeah, you're not burning minutes. yourself out doing this. I also this. do Wordle, Quirtle, and, um, <laughs> and Crosswordle. Well, those, I feel like those are things that we've got the meta analysis on that are, I, je- I mean, they, they force your brain to be functional yep. in a way that is very like yep. Yep. regimented. And you're yep. firing a lot of really good neurons at the base level yep. to keep everything else Nice and primed and warmed yeah, up. Exactly. But yeah, in terms of like if I'm going to sit down and be creative to write a song, who all's listening to this? I'll probably smoke a little weed and um, and then just start writing. I, I'm assuming you probably are as a professional human being. I'm very sporadic with like my weed usage. I like yeah. – I, I used to I, – I have friends and I've just been around people a lot of my life that – I, I tried it late. I was way late. I was like 26 the first time I yeah, ever I tried. Yeah, I was 21. <laughs> and and so like I know friends that do it from sun up to sundown. No. And to them, they feel very functional in that regard. But I feel like when you know somebody well enough, you can tell when it is maybe helping them function and when it also feels like escapism. Right. Yeah. For I mean, I, I, I'm like once a week, twice a week. Yeah. So at, it maintains at, its effect. At, <laughs> whatever yeah, you at, at if that and and not typically not alone. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm a social everything. If yeah. I, if I'm drinking, I'm not doing that alone. Yeah. If I'm smoking, I'm not doing that alone. Yeah. And, and, but that I've noticed that that does kind of open my, um, mind to like, what is the common thing that, that people are struggling? Like I like my songs are often about what is what is a universal struggle like? And it's always love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always some form of love, whether right. it's romantic love or yeah. a love friend or your parent or your whatever, right? Yeah. So, um, but the other thing that happens when you have a full-time job as a professor, three kids who are in middle or high school, and you gig three or four nights a week is you don't have any more time to do some of that stuff. Right. So I, you know, I haven't, I haven't written, I think the last song I wrote was when I was still in Pure Cane Sugar and we actually scheduled getting together to write. Yeah. Songs. Making the time to actually be able to show up yeah, and do it. To yeah. Write songs. I mean, well, Ted and I on Baggage and Bloodlines, I wrote a couple of chord progressions that I sent to him. And we had this one night where he said, just vomit your lyrics out to me right now. Yeah. See, I, I need a, I need a Ted in my life. Yeah. I need so, more of Ted in my life. I feel like is what yeah. it is. And so he did, um, the, he, he wrote songs around some of my chords and a lot of my lyrics. And then. And you guys know each other well enough to yep. know where something's heading, what the point Absolutely. of something was. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, I mean, unfortunately why well, you guys are never going to stop doing music together. And that's uh, fortunate. For everybody else, because yes. that's that's a real primed version of music and art in this area that I'm happy to you know show people to. Like I know nice. when I have people that are in town and I want to take them out and just let them see a little bit of where I live mm-hmm. or whatever, if especially if they're like industry friends and don't mm-hmm. really come through here very often. Right. It's nice to be like, yeah, we're gonna go see this. And all of my musician friends that I like, like higher up industry mm-hmm. friends that I bring around, I take them to see like you and Low Jack mm-hmm. and some of these people, and they're like. This is fucking awesome. Like they they get that the atmosphere is not what maybe they do with like a House of Blues kind of show right. that's like on a tour circuit or whatever. Right. But they're like, but this is something I fucking love too. 
Like this is a very important part of how we digest music and, mm-hmm. and culture and yeah. just art in general. And it's an, you have to have it out yeah. there. Have you, it's interesting. Um, I think there are a lot of people, I think that what you're talking about is really starting to gel and that there are a lot of people realizing that this needs to start happening in terms of music being getting back to its grassroots, so to speak. Like, yeah, we know when it's inauthentic, when it comes from an inauthentic place or it's like just something straight regurgitated, not a lot of forethought went into it. So, um, I was talking to my friend, Chris Ganter, who is, um, some, so I don't even know what his position is, but so he was Fran Ganter. He is Fran Ganter's son. Fran was one of the coaches, Joe Paterno's offensive line, yeah. whatever. Um, and, and then, you know, that there's the state college connection to the Jonas brothers. Yeah. And he's part of that connection. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, he was in town for Thanksgiving and he was completely distressed that champs downtown had this huge line in the packed bar and a DJ. Yeah. And the first was full, but like, and we were playing and he was like, I don't, there needs to be something that we can do to get people to realize what they're missing. I think the thing that Champs has going for it is they have like, some good lighting, big stage, like a, mm-hmm. a pit area. Like that's at least of all the types of venues that could exist. That's a pretty solid one to go to where your head height is. If you're a, you yeah. know, a college age person is about at the stage mm-hmm. floor, you know, well, I think his point was there. Why isn't there live music there? Oh, it, cause it's certainly not set up to be done with live music in a very easy and efficient way. Cause it's supposed to be a restaurant. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't be fucking forcing these square pegs and round holes. We need to have a venue. We need to have a, a stage. Right. The monitors live there. Right. The, you know, the PA's hung. It's there. And it's it's not, you don't want to put people on a stage where, you know, it's a 500 cap room and only 50 people are there and the room just looks barren as hell. So don't shoot for that. Shoot for like a 200 cap venue that it's like a little bit easier if mm-hmm. 50 people are in there to make it feel like it's pretty full. And then if it's 200 people in there, well, now it's a riot. Right. right you know, right. and- Ambience matters, I think. Like we, mm-hmm. you, you surely you know you go to venues all over the place. No two PA systems are the same. So monitor oh, support Lord, for yeah. your poor vocals are not always the same. That's why I jumped in here. I was like, I'm done gambling every time and then straining and then I sound like shit and I'm hard on myself because I sounded like shit because I couldn't hear myself. Yep. Like if we could start helping, if we had the venue and the facility to help artists get away with playing shows where they could just focus on playing their best and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And it was a place where it was set up to be that venue. Yeah. And you could just be the bar fly if you wanted to, or you could be down in the dance floor area. Mm-hmm. We just don't have anything like that yet. I don't know why. I feel like we're, we can't be too far off of it. It always feels like it's not too far yeah. away. You but know, then I'll, are we going to get, I think what Chris and I were talking about is, I think there's something about the younger generation that just doesn't have as much. I mean, they're either going to go see Taylor Swift Right. Or they're going to go to a bar that has, that isn't playing live music. Yeah. And, and that's what would be very cool to begin to change the culture because in the nineties and eighties and the nineties, and even the early two thousands, this town was totally different in terms of like people, there were 
live, you know. Yeah, just performance culture here. Constantly. Yeah. Big bands. Like now it's, I mean, Ted and I get more work as a duo than we do. Yeah, and sometimes the money, the split point on the money is better that way. Less setup, less teardown. Well, sure, but at the same time. Less schedules to coordinate. Exactly. But but that, and we're, we're happy to do it, but. Full bands. There's yeah, lots you're of missing bands. a dynamic here. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, we just had the place. I think it's an if you build it, they will come scenario. Do you? I don't know who I have to fucking convince to do, put me in the room with whoever has the ability to make that happen. And I can give them every reason under the sun and infrastructure ideas in place that could help see something like that thrive. You, but it's just, you know, if you want to start that company. But is it going to be a bar? Does it like, do you see it as a 21 and older? I think it could have space for both. You know, an upper tier area where you can drink, a lower mm-hmm. tier area where you can, you know, split split that in an interesting way mm-hmm. where you can, you know, intersect it in a bunch of different ways. There's just so many. It's done. It's done across this country. It there is. are examples of it. We're not, like, asking anybody to reinvent the wheel. We're just asking for the, the place for that culture you, to be Do you see a space that exists here, here that, that could be repurposed for it? I mean, it's... I'm way- trying to think of a venue that... I mean, Stage West has a good kind of dynamic going on, but it, even it. Do they still have the upper tier? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they actually, I think they put the floor in. So now there's actually some viewing room from up there. And oh. it used to be like slightly recessive. Uh-huh. It was like some auditorium style seating up there. Um, and you need that. You need sort of like the ability to be able to see the band wherever you are in there if you want to. And also just have like tears. Tears help, certainly. So that's why I do like about Stage West. But I, I mean, the brewery. I for forever wish that they would just take instead of cramming everybody into that corner, yeah, just shift that stage and let the where the sound booth is be where oh. you you're, that's let the side stage there and now you've got a whole area of people the sound is all going towards one wall not out from right. the corner it's probably better for the bartenders that it heads out into the other corner from where yeah. they're playing and whatnot and they can be wrapped around the corner of it but at the same time like what you got to give people a place where the experience they're going to get is worth the time they're going to spend being there and that they're going to get something out of it. Like I, right. I, I loved when I was doing sound for you guys and sound for, uh, for Lojack, just sitting there and playing with the the delays and just kind of starting to mix things in right. a way where I'm like, I hear them, but when somebody's vocal is just hard, dry and it's like, I, yeah, okay. They're a great singer, but I can't, this doesn't fit into the space of the song that mm-hmm. I, like Ted, very tone oriented, very specific, uh, you know, reverb decays and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, delay decays and, and reverb and tones. Your voice should have a space in there next to that that is complementary to mm-hmm. it so that it glues together. It's more like synonymous with, you know, they, right. be- they belong in that space. Right. And it's hard to ask that of just like a local sound person to make us sound like, uh, you know, as great as we can. But if we had the space where we weren't fighting with, you know, acoustic logistics, mm-hmm. we could have a little bit more control over that and focus on doing that kind of stuff. It's it's not impossible. I've seen it done. We just need to have the, you know, the right kind of support for it. Yeah. Well, maybe it's time for a collaboration of minds to. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'll like assemble the panel. Like, right. Yeah. You know, the, the Avengers of building a music community in this area. I would love to be able to get people together and just be like, look, this is there's a lot of us already kind of rowing in that same direction. Yeah. How do we come together and create the space? Could it be, you know, you teeter between wanting it to be a nonprofit because then like you could basically get away with a little bit more in terms of Mm -hmm. what you're able to pull off. But, you know, okay, but where does the funding from that come from? 
we do it as a business. Okay, well, now it's the bottom line and people want a return on investment, right. yada, yada, yada. So it's like- You're answering to your stockholders. Right, okay. exactly. And so there's, it's got to be this blend of like philanthropy and also yeah. like functional business as yeah. well. Yeah. And I think there's a clever way to do that if you are set up to, to be modular and, mm-hmm. and shift and adapt a little bit so that that kind of stuff mm-hmm. can take root. But man, I just, I, I remember going to shows in high school with my friends' backyards. PA systems sound like shit outside already. They certainly sound bad out the back of your friend's house. Like, (laughs) but there's just something fucking magical about everybody getting together after school and can't wait to go see this thing. And yeah, like I used to have all these bands that I went to high school with and I I wish that they had had a place to go. Mm -hmm. And I've been to other places in the country where I'm like, man, these, the thing that is keeping these people you know, able to do this is that there are enough people here and there's a, a facility. There's just a place. It, there has to be a place for the stuff to go. Otherwise it's right. going to have to be the back of somebody's house and nobody wants that to be their house right. all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Renee might, he might want Like, I don't know if no. you, he, no. no, but yeah, I, I think like we can, we can get there. Yeah. And I, I think the more that I, and part of my hope for doing this podcast is to engage with people locally. And mm-hmm. then after I do my first 21 episodes, I, I want to go through and I can start doing remote, uh, mm-hmm. guests. And then I open myself up to like a, a wide world of industry people that I think are going to have some poignant things to say. Cool. And I'll kind of build a little bit of a foundation of, for, nice. for where it can be heard and, and paid attention to right here at home. Yeah. But there's, I know there's so much immense talent here There is, and not just talent, but like true, like prowess and skill and artistic creativity and just potential. Yeah. The, and, and, it, my my vice in life is always falling in love with the potential of something mm-hmm. and not seeing it for what it is. In this case, it's it's kind of hard to separate myself because I I, I look at the what we would benefit from if we yeah. did have this infrastructure in place, and it's like, man, what do we got to do to get it there? Because yeah. so many of of us as musicians and artists in the area would benefit, and then so does the culture in this area. Absolutely, you know. I, 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 we just need the space. If you build it, yeah. it'll come. That yeah. kind of a scenario. Yeah. It sounds a lot of like pie in the sky, but. I think it's ultimately what all the musicians want, Mm -hmm. a better home. Yeah, and I think you're right about that's what the next generation, that's the, we need that to ensure that more kids in middle school and high school are led to that. They they would have a place to start to hone there. I mean, because I know that State High is a rock band class and, you know, so do the middle schools and whatever, and that's great. But not everybody, A, has the time to take it in their schedule or B, wants to do it to be graded or whatever. Yeah, certainly not. Yeah, it's hard when you you start putting metrics on for success on it that don't belong necessarily. Right. Right. Especially with something as personal as like music. Exactly. Well, Molly, I'm really glad that you came on. Uh, we're going to have to have you on again. I knew I was going to be able to talk to you. This is why we should have done a damn podcast. Thanks, COVID. Uh, right. But I'm looking forward to having you on again. I like to continue pleasure. these conversations. Do you have anything going on lately that are coming up uh, music-wise that yeah, you want to talk about? Yeah, let's see. This, um, this, this week – well, I don't know when this is going to air, but this week uh, I've been – when Ted got sick, did you remember that Ted had the parasite? Which million times. That poor guy Holy has shit. run the gambit. Right. So when he got the parasite in August, yeah. uh, we had a week and full of gigs. Yeah, then, I remember. Right? Well, um, one of the people that filled in for Ted with me that weekend was Sam Christensen from Mid-State Select. Okay. And- he and I hit it off. He's a great guy. He 
has a fantastic voice. He's a great guitarist. And he sings good harmonies and our voices sound good together. And so I was like, you know, that just because Ted's well again doesn't mean we can't never play together. <laughs> Let's not throw the baby out with the exactly. bathwater here, guys. Um, so on Thursday, when Ted is already booked with Renee, uh, Sam and I are playing the University Wine Company, and this will be like our fourth or fifth gig together. And it's really cool and really good. So I'm looking forward to that. That's always fun as a musician. Yeah. I mean, Ted is like my living room. Ted is like my... <laughs> I mean, there's as far as you can personify somebody there as a room. Is, yeah, right. There is nothing. I mean, it's so easy and fulfilling to play gigs with Ted that I could also do them in my sleep because right. I know that he's, I know what he's going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. We are like peas and carrots, right? <laughs> so it's not taking anything away from that. When you are forced as a musician, and then choose as a musician to begin to collaborate with other people. It's like learning a new relationship. Yeah, it could, it could be hit or miss. Yeah, so we that's fun to be focused. It sounds like on. it's a hit. It's it seems like it's a hit. If if nothing else, it's a hit right now where we're really enjoying it and st and both. Well, I can only speak for myself. Growing even more as a musician because I'm doing different things with a different person. Yeah. Right. So there's a side of my voice that I've not ever used because I've never sung with Sam. You gotta until record now. something together. You guys gotta yeah, do something. Right. That's so, gotta be the, the the thing, the MO between that big break in December and January. If you can just like throw in a couple yeah. days of just shit. And he's a songwriter too, so that's awesome. So yeah, excited about that. Um always excited. I mean I love playing the first every Friday night. It's like that's a good residency to have. Absolutely. Pedigree bar in this area. Totally. You know, we're we're always at a different place every Saturday, so I don't even I haven't looked. I can't. I couldn't tell you. See, because I suck at promotion. <laughs> so even as you ask me to promote myself, I can't remember where we're fucking playing on Saturday night. Somewhere, could be the cidery. It's a Google search away. Might not. Might be anti fragile. I love those guys. I do too. I can't remember where we're playing on Saturday. Um, and then Sunday is always the Ale House. That's our longest standing gig. Well, Sunday nights, Ted and I at the piano bar, me and the piano, Ted acoustic. And that's awesome. I don't think I've ever come out and see you it. should. I'll have to eight come to out ten. and see it on Sundays. Eight, yep, eight Sundays, to ten, eight Sunday. to 10. All right. That'll be, I'll do that this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, it's fun. Well, Molly, thank you for coming thank on. You, I appreciate John. it. We're going to do this again for okay. sure. Sounds You're good. the best. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. That is a wrap on another episode of the Collaborate Eye podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the part where I beg you to please hit that like button, subscribe, and turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. Don't be that guy. Follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I want this podcast to be wherever you are, whenever you need it, just like a reliable wingman or a comforting bowl of mac and cheese. And don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media at Collaborate Podcast on all the cool platforms to share your thoughts, your feedback, and your love. Until next time, Collaborate Die, baby.